everyone hear that? That was a stove. It's fucking hot, baby. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to a second edition of Is the Stove Hot? And based on the intro, yeah, stove is sizzling, man. Stove is positively sizzling right now. Uh, This is the winter meetings edition of this uh, off-season podcast series, so not surprisingly, there are more signings that happened in the last four days than probably would be normal if there weren't no winter meetings, obviously. Uh, And no, I wasn't making that noise at the sound of the podcast with my mouth. That was the hot stove making that noise. It's real hot right now. But welcome back. Man, what uh, what a few days we've had. Uh, it's been a few weeks since my last pod, but I wanted to wait until the winter meetings were over to pod again because they're very important meetings that just happened from Sunday to Wednesday in San Diego. I considered going to San Diego for this only because I live in Los Angeles and could just drive down there, but unfortunately I have work. Uh, and that just does not quite, it, I couldn't really take off work to go to the winter meetings to just walk around, uh, especially because I'm not a credentialed media member, nor am I really allowed in. I think you can go down and just kind of walk around, like go see the hotel, go walk in the lobby, go find players and stuff, I guess. Go see Jerry DePoto walking around. Uh, but uh, you can't really do much else than that, so going would have been just pointless to take off work obviously i'm not going to do that if it was on the weekend oh i would have went down just for the content i would have done a live podcast in the lobby just sitting on the ground just to look important uh but that's besides the point so the winter meetings just happened what a time i will break down every signing that has happened since i potted last and spoiler alert there are a lot uh this has been a fun off season actually not from a Mariners perspective quite yet, but it's been an active off season, uh, especially compared to some recent ones we've had. I'm thinking like Bryce Harper off season, which was the year where like no one signed until like February or March. And some guys weren't even signed until spring training had already began. So this is a really good change of pace. I have a theory. It's not like a groundbreaking theory. Uh, the new CBA was just signed. So Owners, teams, agents, they all, like players even, they all know there won't be a stoppage of work for the next however many years. Um, So teams definitely feel a little bit more comfortable giving longer-term deals to guys knowing, uh, obviously, unless they trade them, that they will be playing those years, be playing baseball. Like, at least baseball will be played. Like, they know there's not going to be a lockout. Uh, I think that's part of the reason. Another reason, I think, is there's just... I, there's a lot of free agents available, but like there were a lot, like there's there's a clear few guys at the top, and I think there was a mad dash to to sign them as quick as possible, and still being like smart about it, still trying to be smart about it, but signing them first, and that kind of has we've we've watched a couple dominoes fall since like uh, I guess Degrom signed, Verlander signed, and then the big huge one was the Trey Turner deal that broke and then that's kind of snowballed into a few other ones I'll go into but I think a big reason is the new CBA uh, and teams just have more money right now than they've ever had because uh, MLB revenues are are soaring at above pre-COVID levels. Uh, I remember in 2017, 2018, like 2019 the revenues were all increasing and they were all record revenues. Part of that obviously is uh, like inflation and money is just worth a little bit less now, so there's more of it. But that was also like year-over-year changes where were record revenues, and then COVID happened, so obviously the revenues tanked. But now they're back to higher than even the pre-COVID levels. So the money's out there. Um, that means more revenue sharing, more more money circulating through the league, and I think that's a big reason why we're seeing a lot of big numbers. Part of it is the inflation as well, but I think teams are seeing too like – you can lock in a guy to a big number right now, but in eight years, it might be considered a, a smaller number with with inflation and, and what 
the league might look like in that amount of time. But that is, it's been interesting. It's been nice to have like, it, there's basically been a pretty big signing. What I feel like is almost every day, every other day, which is great, which is, which is great. It'll still never come clear to the tampering, like the NBA offseason where everyone signs immediately when free agency starts, but that is a whole different animal. I will get us cracking with just a Mariners update. What have the Mariners been doing? Before I get into what the Mariners have been doing from a free agency trade perspective, I have a message for John Stanton. Hey, hey, you old billionaire fuck. Listen to me, John. Open the wallet a little bit, huh? Act At least act like you want to win. Like, you can come out and say it, but I don't, I don't believe you, like, literally at all. Um, if I saw you in the street, I would probably give you a little smack on the cheek. A very light one, just to show my intent, because uh, I think everyone can sense that the Mariners fans are quite frustrated with seeing uh, free agents getting signed, and the Mariners are in on uh, none of them, and the messages from Jerry DePoto have been demoralizing, because it they basically said, like, we're not going to sign any of the big guys to long-term deals, because we don't want to tie up money like that. Uh, you know, it, it's just been frustrating. I think Jerry probably, I think he's honestly been using his words very well. I think he's been choosing his words very well. I think he's probably a little, his hands are probably a little tied with John Stanton, but Jerry's not blameless. And I'll get into that later when I talk about the discourse that's been going on in the hellscape that is Mariners Twitter recently. Uh, but that was my brief message to John Stanton. Um, I'll open your wallet for you if I see you. So um, don't come down to the LA area or I will find you, John. Uh, and then also big news, huge news, actually. The Frankie Tostado era of Mariners baseball is over. I know. I know. We selected him in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft the other day and just got the news this morning. We traded him. It's tough. I don't. It's gonna take me a while to get over that. I was really sold on Frankie Tostado. I was all about it, uh, and he's just gone. Another another player Jerry includes in a trade. Just sad, you know. But what else has been going on in Mariners land? This stuff feels like it happened a long time ago. But the Mariners traded Kyle Lewis, which was a little depressing, uh, for Cooper Hummel, who I will be quite honest with you guys, never heard of this guy prior to this trade. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I did some due diligence. Uh, it seems like he can be a backup catcher and he can play corner outfield and he's a very below average hitter. So I don't know this, this one confused me a little bit. Trading Kyle Lewis didn't confuse me. Uh, trading for this dude, Cooper Hummel. I, I mean, I don't know. You could have gotten someone better like maybe a bullpen arm even from the Diamondbacks. They have a couple decent arms down there. You could try to get Kyle Lewis and one lower end prospect. Like uh, just Kyle Lewis for Cooper Hummel. Like, is it a fair trade? I don't know. I don't know what to make of Kyle Lewis anymore. I don't think the Mariners know what to think of Kyle Lewis anymore. Cause obviously he won rookie of the year in the shortened season. And he had like, you know, two months of very good baseball and hasn't shown he can do that since. And his, his injury troubles were something coming out of college that have continued to hamper his production and his growth. Uh, I remember, I think I think 2016 was the draft. I think it was the first draft Jerry DePoto ever did. His first pick was Kyle Lewis. It was like the 12th pick. I remember he went to Mercer. He won the Golden Spikes Award in college, which is the best college player. And he dropped to 12th, which people were like, oh, that's weird. Like usually, you know, a lot of the time the best college guys or the best players don't even go in the top five in the MLB draft sometimes because of how the money works and stuff. But everyone's like, oh, we dropped to 12. Um, and then their consensus was essentially like, yeah, he's got a knee problem that like teams just don't want to take a chance on. And the Mariners did. And like, it looked like a, a, a good risk. Like the talent is clearly there. Um, but it's just, man, the breaks in baseball, the COVID pause is, is recurring knee issues. Like it's just tough. And I, I wasn't in support of trading Kyle Lewis, the man. I was in support of trading Kyle Lewis, the player, at this point. Because uh, I didn't, I just don't. I If he succeeds on the Diamondbacks, I'd be very happy. I hope he does. I wish the best for Kyle Lewis. He's a great dude. Um, 
won Rookie of the Year for the first time since Ichiro in a Mariners uniform. Uh, very cool achievement. Very good guy. Uh, I just wish we got someone other than Cooper Hummel, but I don't know. Maybe they liked him for some reason. Oh, okay, the other meh thing that happens is they signed Trevor Gott, who uh, is a relief pitcher. That's about all I can tell you. I mean, it's it's like a million dollars for a year. He will probably just be in the bullpen, uh, be the be a pretty mid relief pitcher out of the bullpen. But I mean, you kind of need guys like that. You need guys to eat innings sometimes, start a whole year. And like, what's the risk of signing a guy for a million dollars? Like, who really? And maybe they liked something in him. I haven't delved like super deep into his stats or like stat cast stuff i'm just seeing like he's like a very average to slightly below average relief pitcher so maybe they think they can turn him into a slightly above average relief pitcher maybe they really like one of his pitches and just would go a route to just telling him to throw that pitch more i don't know i don't know that i mean it's just a boring relief pitcher signing but he's on our team now so i will support him the big Mariners news. Colton Wong gets traded to the Mariners for Abraham Toro and Jesse Winker. Boy, am I in support of this, and boy, did I call Wong to the Mariners. Um, back a couple months ago when I was looking at potential free agents, Colton Wong came up as a free agent, and I want to say it's because um, the, he could have been a free agent after this year, but then the Brewers... Uh, arbitrated with him, I think. I should know this, but I'm a little hazy now. But I was like, okay, Wong makes perfect sense. If they're not going to go for one of the shortstops and move them to second or move JP to second, Wong makes perfect sense. He's a veteran, he's a lefty, and he plays second base pretty well. Uh, I like Colton Wong a lot. I like this trade a lot. I liked Abraham Toro, but at best, he's a below average guy whose value comes with his utility and also he's very attractive we lost a little we lost like one of the hottest guys in the clubhouse if not the hottest guy in the clubhouse so that's tough and then winker not surprising either it's so interesting the journey that we've been on with jesse winker um traded hit for him from the Reds in that trade everyone knows about where Eugenio was the add-on who we were taking his contract. And then it turned out to be the inverse. Eugenio had a fantastic year, which I somewhat predicted. I didn't think he'd have that good of a year, but I thought he'd have a little bit of a bounce back and he did. I obviously was wrong about Winker and everyone was too, because I thought his production would obviously slow a little bit because he was hitting in Cincinnati, which is up there with Coors as those are like the top two in park factor in the league. Uh, it's very hitter-friendly. Uh, but his, his numbers and, and stuff looked good, and it wouldn't look like his production was going to drop off that much, and at the very least, he was going to mash against uh, right-handed pitching. And he, man, did he not do anything well. And it also sounds like nobody liked the dude, like in the clubhouse, which is <laughs> wild. But So they're gone. They're gone. I'm not super torn up about it. I did like Toro, though, just for vibes. Um, but Colton Wong is a Mariner, and I think it was a great trade. Again, uh, he's going to be really good in the clubhouse. One, I've heard nothing bad about him ever in his career. Uh, two, he's very cool. If you've ever watched him play baseball, hear him talk, he's just a cool dude. So another cool guy. We have a very cool middle infield at the moment. Um, but he's also just a good player. Uh, still can can hit, get on base, be an above-average run creator. Uh, fills the hole at second base that we left open after this off after the season. Uh, historically, very good defensive second baseman. Last year, there was a little bit of a dip, but I'm willing to buy into the fact that he did have a leg injury last year that he was out with, and I want to believe that part of the defensive dip was that reason. Um and I don't think he went from above average defender to below average defender in one season, especially at second base. I think at the very least, he'll be an, a fine defender at second for us this year. Uh, and that's that's that. I'm excited to have Colton Wong on the team. Uh, a lefty bat, we kind of desperately needed to slot right into the top of the lineup, low into the lineup, not the middle, but one of those two. I don't know where they're going to try to use him. But yeah, and also just like, again, a good veteran guy, 
a good veteran guy. You can never really have enough of those when you're trying to contend. Uh, but that's what the Mariners have been up to. It's been pretty quiet since since then. The winter meetings, they they didn't really do much in the winter meetings. They probably planned some stuff, but they've just been really quiet. Uh, Jerry Depoto said a lot of things that have pissed a lot of people off, and for good reason, because we're kind of clamoring for uh, uh, not like I'm not like we're not clamoring for like you know giving Trey Turner a, a shit ton of money, although that would have been cool. Like someone, you know, someone. But at the end of the show. I have highlighted a few guys, infield, outfield, pitchers, that I think we should sign slash we could sign, uh, given the current outlook and what Jerry said. Uh, So I'm trying to be realistic and work within the constraints that he's given me. Obviously, if I was the owner of the Manors and had a billion dollars, I would try to buy all the players because I'm just built different and I don't care about money. I just want to win a World Series. Uh, But, you know, I don't have a billion dollars, and here we are, uh, and here I am, you know. But now I will go over what has happened. There's a tremendous amount of signings that's happened. Um, Before the signings, uh, some trades with the Angels, I just want to go over just, just to talk about, start the conversation of what our divisional rivals have done. Um, one, the A's look like they're trading Sean Murphy, which uh, we're not going to trade for Sean Murphy, obviously. Why would we? Um, but he'll he'll be gone. It's a classic A's trade. Develop a guy and then trade him right before he's going to get paid. Uh, so whoever gets Sean Murphy is getting a good, good catcher. Um, but they've been quiet. The Angels haven't made very many free agent signings, if any, to be quite honest. Uh, but they did make two trades. They traded for Hunter Renfro. For pitchers Jansen Junk, Elvis Peguero, and Adam Seminaris, uh, the 16th ranked, 33rd ranked, and 18th ranked prospects uh, in that order uh, for the Angels. I don't, I don't have much to say about this trade. It's like they need another outfielder. Hunter Renfro can hit pretty well. Okay, they traded one of the three pitchers that they have. They have so many pitchers in there farm system because they drafted 20 of them a couple of seasons ago. Uh, and then they traded for Gio Urshela, which for uh, their 22nd ranked prospect, Alejandro Hidalgo. I don't know where any of these guys slot in in the top whatever prospects. I don't think any of them are top 100, obviously, but they were middling Angels prospects. So, you know, do, do with that what you will, given the Angels development issues. But, I mean, Gio Urshela, they need a third baseman. So, and I like Gio Urshela. I don't think those are, like, bad trades for the Angels. I just think they're fine. Uh, do they Do they even, like, uh, contend? Do, do they hold on to Otani? I don't know. No more Angels talk. Screw the Angels. And now, for the moment, you've all been... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, what has happened? Who signed where? Um, I'm starting from the top. I'm starting from the top. Since the last podcast, like three weeks ago, this is in order except for the last couple, which I've grouped strategically to talk about. Shelby Miller signed with the Dodgers, pitcher, relief pitcher now, uh, for $1.5 million for one year. I actually kind of wanted the Mariners to sign him. He had a surprisingly good year last year. Um, I'm sure a lot of teams wanted to sign him to a similar deal. Uh, you know, not much else to say about that. The White Sox signed Mike Clevenger, one year, $12 million. Uh, definitely a prove-it year for Mike Clevenger, coming off a lot of injury-riddled seasons. Uh, definitely a prove-it year where it's like you'll slot into that rotation if you're doing really well and the White Sox are winning. Maybe they'll extend you uh, if he's pitching well and the White Sox are doing poorly because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, they could trade him at the deadline for to a contender that might need a pitcher. If he's bad still, then they just run the year out and he's off the books. I mean, it's a classic deal. Uh, Carlos Santana signed with the Pirates for one year, $6.7 million. Kind of tough. I really want the Mariners to re-sign him, particularly because we kind of need a DH slash backup first baseman at the moment. Uh, but I'm surprised he got $6.7 million. I, I I feel like the Mariners probably wanted to re-sign him, but $6.7 million was like... 
I didn't know he'd get that much money. I thought it'd be a little less, and the Pirates signed him. So, you know, go off, Carlos. This is a big one, though. Jose Abreu signed with the Astros for three years and $58 million. God, I hate the Astros, guys. I hate them. This is such a good signing. He makes so much sense. They needed a first baseman. They did not fuck around. They didn't wait for anyone else to get signed. They said, we think you're worth this. We want you on our team. We just won the World Series. We don't want to get worse. And we need a first baseman who gets into that order, and he's very Astros. You know, he's a very good hitter. He's a very patient hitter. He's very good at hitting pitches in the zone. And if he, I mean, he hit, if he pulls shit to left field into the Crawford boxes in Houston, it probably will assist him in his power totals a little bit. Uh, three years, $58 million for Jose Abreu. Great signing by the Astros. Infuriating from a Mariners fan perspective. Um, what else has happened? Isaiah Kiner Falefa resigned with the Yankees. One year, $6 million. Congratulations, Yankees fans. Uh, your favorite player from last season. He resigned. Haha. Moving on. Nick Martinez signed with the Padres. Uh, probably one of the better relief pitchers available in the free agency, although there were a lot. Uh, but he got three years from them. $10 million for the first year, and then there's club options for the next two, totaling $16 million each. So 32 total. So it could be he could make like what looks like $50 million over three years, potentially, if he keeps his production up like he did last year. He was a big part of their bullpen and their run to the NLCS. Uh, Matt Boyd, another guy I was hoping the Mariners would just keep around, uh, went back to the Tigers, one year, 10 million. Uh, you know, you do what you want, Matt. One year, 10 million. Good for you. Take that money. Go pitch and then prove it that you deserve a slightly longer term deal than that. Uh, this was a big one. Zach Eflin signed with the Rays. Uh, good signing. Very raised signing. Three years, $40 million. Um, which is crazy that the Rays committed $40 million to someone, but uh, F1's a solid starter. I'm surprised the Phillies didn't try to re-sign him this year. He had a good year, and he's like a, he's a solid back end of the rotation kind of guy. Uh, but good signing for the Rays. Chris Martin, a pitcher, signed with the Red Sox. Two years, 17 and a half mil. Another guy I was kind of looking at for the Mariners to be cost-effective. But he went to the Red Sox, and he's a reliever, and the Red Sox bullpen was god-awful last year. So that will help them tremendously. And then, now we're getting into the meat of things. These are the meaty signings that happened within the last two weeks, one week, winter meetings. And it starts off with Jacob DeGrom. To the Rangers. Five years, $185 million. The Rangers, man, there's, they just said, fuck it, we're going all in. We're spending. We did last offseason, we're doing it this offseason. We're trying to win. Hats off to them. I mean, the Rangers, I hate them. They suck as an organization. They're just awful. Uh, but I, I I, mean, I would say I like this signing. I mean, they know what they're getting themselves into, signing DeGrom. Giving them five years and $185 million, which is a lot of money for a guy who barely pitches. But when he pitches, he's so good, it's almost worth it. Like, if they are just expecting him to pitch half of a season, I honestly think that contract's worth it. He's that good. And especially let's let's think about this for a second. Let's say they 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 make a few more signings, maybe, you know, trade. And they I mean the Rangers team is not that bad, especially with DeGrom. Like it's not that bad. And and third place in the division's there for the taking. And there's an extra wild card spot available. If they sneak into the wild card this year, next year, what have you. Jacob DeGrom, if they make sure he's healthy, is, is maybe the best guy you can roll out there for the first game of a wild card series, or the third game, or the second game. Like he's he the Rangers get to the playoffs and you can roll out DeGrom as your as your ace in the playoffs, that is dangerous. Like that is dangerous, but obviously there's risk, but they Rangers said, Fuck it. We're doing it, baby. And then the other, one of the other big pitchers to fall was Justin Verlander to the Mets. Two years, $86 million. That is more what I expected DeGrom to get and Verlander both. Just because they're both obviously still elite at what they do. The health is a concern for DeGrom more than Verlander, but Verlander's still old, so the health's always going to be a question. But he's, he just won the Cy Young. 
Uh, and I expected DeGrom to get a similar deal, like two, three years, average 40-something million. Because it's like the Mets are contending now, and it's like they don't want to sign a guy who's 40 years old to longer than a couple of years. And it's like you only sign him for two years, 80, like 86 million is a lot of money, but it's off the books in two years. I mean, probably not. It's not how contracts work, but most of it probably will be off the books soon. Uh, and that's just a great signing for the Mets. Uh Kind of replaces Degrom at the front of that rotation, and the Mets have a massive payroll. Good God, Stephen Cohen was not lying when he bought the Mets and said, "I don't care about anything. I'm just going to win." That's the kind of owner you want. He, but he's still an owner. So the next signing I will talk about, which I was again another guy. I was like, man, if the Mariners could could agree to a deal with him, it'd be very useful. Josh Bell. Switch hitting first baseman recently on the Padres was on the Nationals. Uh, one of the better switch hitters in the league. Uh, the Guardians signed him two years, thirty-three million. Again, the Guardians guaranteeing thirty-three million dollars. Do they know how much money that is? That was that's like thirty-three million was like what their payroll was this year. Because they still haven't paid Jose Ramirez, or still not paying. They're not paying him yet. Uh, <laughs> That's, I mean, it's a good signing, I guess. It was kind of unexpected, but uh, the Guardians were pretty good last year, and they're probably just trying to capitalize on the lightning in a bottle they had last year with, with Francona and the and the team. And, I mean, Josh Bell doesn't really fit, like, their style of play, I feel like, but he's a good player, um, and he can play first base. Uh, another signing for the Rangers, Andrew Heaney, two years, $25 million. So, yeah, the Rangers really spend it, and, and looking at the Rangers team right now, I do think they're comfortably like worse than the Astros and us at the moment, Mariners. Um, but I think them and the Angels both now are kind of looking like they'll have a little bit of a dogfight for third place slash wild card. Uh, they're not bad, and there's a long off season to come, so it's interesting. Uh, but they're spending a lot, and Andrew Heaney was kind of—I think he's from—I want to say from Oklahoma. I saw so kind of like going back home, close to home. Uh, a couple guys have done that this off season. Like the next guy on the list, Mitch Haniger, to the Giants for three years, forty three and a half million dollars. He's from San Jose, which I know is not San Francisco, but it's it's come on guys, it's close. It's the Bay Area, you know, area, big area down there. So basically, going back home. Good for Mitch, man. Forty three and a half million, three years. Good for Mitch. Very happy for the man that he's going to get get paid finally. Um, upsetting that we couldn't re-sign him. It just it, they didn't extend him the whole year after they let him walk to free agency. I kind of knew they weren't going to re-sign him, and I'm not necessarily against that. I a contract extension during the season, I would have been in support from if it was like this, like two three years, you know, ten million, twelve million average. Something like that, uh, I would have been would have been good with because he's just it's one of those where if we sign to that deal, it's like I I personally do think his best playing years are behind him. Not that I'm, he's a bad player by any stretch right now. I just think his 2018 2019 was his peak and he was really good for us. And it was one of those where maybe they don't want to extend him for like purposes of they they have eyes for other people but like it's almost like we could have extended him as like a reward just for doing that and that happens a lot in this sport like we just saw with a certain yankees outfielder like maybe you don't want to give someone that many years maybe you don't want to give someone that much money um but sometimes you pay that guy because one you want him on your team because he's good still and two because of what he's done for your franchise um which the red Sox absolutely will not reward players who've done good stuff for their franchise. We'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, Hanniger, go off, man. It was great to watch you play on the Mariners. He was on the drought-busting team. He was on some of the better teams of the last decade for us. He did a lot of good stuff. He's a great guy. Uh, everything I've seen about him is he's like one of the hardest-working people in the league, um, so good for him. And just unlucky injury history. Good Lord, he's... It's not Franklin Gutierrez level unlucky, but God, man, he's just been unlucky with injuries. So I hope he can just play 
close to full seasons the next couple of years. And, like, I don't hate the Giants, so cool. Uh, another one I don't need to talk much about. Bellinger was non-tendered by the Dodgers and signed with the Cubs for a year, $17.5 million. Sure, I guess the Cubs are trying to contend. Not now, but they're trying to, I guess, lay a foundation. They say they've been in on... Uh, the short stops, but now it's dwindled down to two. So will they get one of them? I don't know. Moving on. Uh, I guess the cut. Yeah, the Cubs. I'll stick with the Cubs. Jamison Tyone to the Cubs. Four years, sixty-eight million. Low-key, a lot of money, but that's kind of what guys are going for now. It just seems like this off-season is a lot of money commitments, and that just might be what you have to pay. Sometimes, sometimes it's not up to you to decide what you have to pay. Sometimes it's the league. Uh, and that's a good, I mean, Tyone's a good player. So four years, 68 million, that's not outlandish. Uh, and he definitely is an upgrade for the Cubs. Uh, similar deal, Tywan Walker to the Phillies for four years, 72 million. 72 million was a lot for, for Taiwan, but again, I think it's market driven. I think he wouldn't have got this much money if he was one of the first starting pitchers to sign. But I think he waited a little bit. And he got $72 million for four years with the Phillies with a contender, right? And he helps that rotation that just lost in regard Eflin. Oh, jeez, man. Name just completely slipped my mind of the other starter they lost. But I think, like, Bailey Falter would have been their number three or four. But now Tyone slots into that spot. Good signing for the Phillies. I love Tyone Walker. Get that bread up, King, you know? Uh, $72 million, you know? That's what they're going for, man. Sometimes you just you want a guy, you gotta pay what the market is dictating. Uh, other pitchers that went recently: Jose Quintana signed with the Mets, two years, twenty-six million. Great signing by the Mets. Great signing. He's older, so two years makes a lot of sense. Twenty-six million, thirteen a year, pretty good. Uh, considering he kind of had a resurgence last year, in my opinion, I didn't expect him to put up the numbers he did. So. Uh, fills out that Mets rotation and the Mets like last year are looking like one of the best teams in the league. Uh, and they are committed to spending money. Uh, another pitcher, Kenley Jansen to the Red Sox for two years, $32 million. Cool. I mean, Kenley, you know, he's a relief pitcher. You never know with relief pitchers. 60 million years a lot for a relief pitcher, but Kenley Jansen's got the track record. He can just kind of switch off sometimes, but eh, don't all closers kind of switch off sometimes, you know? Still, still helps that bullpen tremendously from the terrible year they had last year. So, you know, the Red Sox, I've liked their offseason up until yesterday happened. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Now, what will I talk about? Was there a certain gigantic player who just signed somewhere? Oh, yes. Aaron Judge, known brother to Arson Judge. I'm not talking about Aaron Judge. I'm talking about Arson Judge now. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen John Heyman tweet. From a man who tweets sometimes some very, very mistakenly funny shit. And John Heyman, as much as I really don't like John Heyman, and as much as I think he's just uh, has a dog collar on that has Scott Boris's phone number and he's never allowed to take it off. Uh, I think he's just Scott Boris's little whipping boy. Uh, I I lost my train of thought thinking about John Heyman. Oh, good God. That's This is what he does to me. He riles me up. Oh, yeah, okay. No, he, he's he's a good like reporter of news in baseball. Like He's generally very accurate with the news he reports. Boy, did he fuck this one up. One... Arson Judge, one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. Arson Judge to the Giants. Arson? Brother, you, you missed you missed one letter, and you got it right in the first. A and A. You know? How do you how do you go from uh how do you say arson? Aaron, Aaron was it an autocorrect problem? Like what happened? It, it, that would have been funny. If he signed with the Giants, it's hilarious that he not only said Arson Judd, but also got it wrong and had to delete the tweet and had to make a tweet like, my apologies, I jumped the gun. And then Aaron Judd signs with the Yankees the next morning. 
like, man, he fucked that one up. And no one will ever forget it because he said arson. Uh, But Aaron Judge, it looked like for the entire day, that day, he was going to the Giants. Everything I saw was picking up speed. The Giants are are putting their, their nuts on the table in the winter meetings. Uh, I saw tweets from people who were at the winter meetings, like the talk in the lobby is judge to the Giants. Uh, and then he tweets this out, and it's like, oh, okay, he he's actually is going to the Giants. And then he's like, oh, no, my bad. He's not. But then even after that, it was like, well, he might have just broke the news too quickly because the talk was still he's going to the Giants. And then, bam, the Yankees come in. Nine years, $360 million. Sheesh. Get paid, Aaron. Deservingly so. And man, if I'm upset he signed with the Yankees, not because he could have signed with the Mariners. He was never signing with the Mariners. And if he signed with the Giants, I wouldn't have cared. I would have been happy for my friends who were Giants fans. But if he didn't sign with the Yankees, that would have been awesome to see what the Yankees fans would have done. (laughs) But he goes back to the Yankees. Um... He seems like a guy who should be a Yankee for life, uh, and he's like 30. I think, honestly, he's older than Bryce Harper by a few months, which is buck wild to think about. But he goes back to the Yankees, nine years, $360 million, It's one of those. They'll get his value from this contract in four to five years. Like That's how contracts work. It's crazy how nobody, not nobody, but a lot of people seemingly um, on Twitter don't know how like sports contracts work. Because they're like, oh, in nine years, oh, in eight years, Aaron Judge might be a bad ball player. It's like, okay, cool, whatever. And maybe, like, maybe another team gives Judge six years, same average value, right? But the Yankees, it's one of those where, like, like it or not, one, he's he had a historic season, one we haven't seen since Barry Bonds last year. Uh, and I don't think he's going to, you know, just completely fall off in these next couple of years. So you're paying for the, like the next four or five years where he's still going to be a very good baseball player. Plus he look what he's done for your franchise. He's kind of revitalized it a little bit. Obviously they haven't had the playoff success, but he has been the Yankee since he's been up with the team. He's been the guy. Uh, and it's, it's what I talked about earlier. They're, Giving him nine years guaranteed money, too, is part of the reward. And I, as a Yankees fan, not as a Yankees fan, wow, that felt weird to say. If I was a Yankees fan, I would be very happy. I would have given him 15 years, $500 million. For what he's done with the team right now, it's one of those, he deserves to get rewarded for that. And he did. And he did. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The news just broke while I was podcasting. This has never happened. Thank God. Brandon Nemo and the New York Mets are in agreement on an eight-year, $162 million contract. Wow. Holy. Oh, wow. And the first thing I see is a Mariners account in the comments that says overpay. Man, y'all are lame as fuck. All of these, oh, it's an overpay. You guys are so lame, man. Like, if you're listening to this and you think, and you're, you're looking at all of these very good players going for contracts with long years and a lot of money and are like overpay. Do you not want to sign any free agents? Like this is what the market is like right now, man. You got to pay these guys. Holy shit. I did not expect him to go back to the Mets considering the money they've given out this offseason already. Wow. What's their payroll going to look like? Is it going to be like 350 million next year? <laughs> Man, Stephen Cohen. This is how much money. This is how much money every owner has. Man, every owner is a billionaire. All of the owners could theoretically be doing this right now, which is another thing where there's a lot of weird, like, not owner bootlicking per se, but more like, man, I support the owners, not trying to saddle your team with with bad contracts in seven years. Man, who gives a shit about what happens in seven years? You spend all this money and the Mets win the World Series in the next couple of years. And then in like eight years, they're really bad with a lot of bloated contracts. Who cares? If you want a ring or rings because of it, who gives a shit? Wow. Good for the Mets. Good for the Mets. 
I was hopeful of Brandon Nimmo signing with the Mariners at the start of the offseason because it was like, man, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, they're theoretically looking to spend, uh, which obviously now uh, is not true. Uh, and he fits, you know, he could use a good center fielder, which means he'd be a great left fielder defensively for us. Uh, but I past like week, I was like, there's no shot. We're going to sign him. Uh, no chance. And uh, look, I expected him to stay in New York, but go to the Yankees. But then the Yankees re-signed Judge. So, you know, good for the Mets. Keeping on and hanging on to their man. Hanging on to their man. Wow. Live news break during the podcast. Crazy stuff. All right. All right. Okay. God. Just to get back into things. Man, I got a notification that Jeff Passon tweeted, and I saw Nimmo's name, and I freaked out. <laughs> if Man, if it was like Nimmo and I saw the Mariners, I would have screamed. And left it in this podcast. I don't, ugh. Okay, what else happened? What else happened? Wilson Contreras went to the Cardinals for $87.5 million. I don't have the years written down. Um, it's a few. It's a few years, obviously. Uh, no, that's a good signing. I mean, they obviously are in a window of contention right now. Uh, they need a catcher, considering their generational franchise player is on the way out. Uh, and this is just a good signing. Wilson Contreras is one of the better hitters in this class and by far the best catcher available, uh, and the Cardinals get better. Get better. So, what else has happened? Uh, the last big one before the short stops conversation that I'll have is the Red Sox made a big signing. Ooh, and it wasn't a franchise player who's done so much for the team and they deserve to be rewarded. No, they didn't pay Mookie Betts. No, they didn't pay Xander Bogarts. They paid Masataka Yoshida, which $105 million was so much more than what anyone expected him to get. I think it's like $105 million plus like 15 of what his posting fee is. Or like it's 90 over five years and then but his posting fee was 15 million or something like that because he's coming from Japan. Uh, he's a very good player. Gets on base at a crazy clip. Hits for contact at a crazy clip. Um, obviously, you know, we don't know what it'll look like in the MLB, but we can kind of project things a little clearer these days for guys coming over from the Japan League. Pitching's gotten a little better over there. Um, and I mean, he's going to be a good hitter. Does it mean anything for the Red Sox? Personally, I don't think it means jack for the Red Sox team right now, especially because they just let Xander walk. It means literally nothing. And I've I've seen Red Sox fans on Twitter saying the same shit, where it's like, man, that's cool. If you re-sign Xander and Yoshida and made those, um, the the signings to the bullpen that they did, that would have been a very successful offseason. So. <sighs> Red Sox. I'll have more to say when I talk about Xander about the Red Sox. But I have another live-breaking pass-in bomb. David Robertson and the New York Mets are in agreement on a one-year $10 million contract. Cool. The Mets are just going to sign everyone. <laughs> the, Mets are, the Mets are signing all of them. And Stephen Cohen is probably pissing off every other owner in the MLB. Actually, I'm going to tweet that live. You know, if you're listening to this and you saw this tweet, know it happened right now. All right. Uh, I paused to make a tweet, and then I saw the Mets might still be in on Kodai Senga, the other Japanese prospect, the pitcher who's really good. If they sign him too, good God. Well, the payroll's going to be like $400 million. Rob Manfred might have to be like, no, sorry, you're not allowed. Pull like a David Stern, preventing the Chris Paul to the Lakers trade. Just be like, no, sorry, not allowed. He must go somewhere else. Jeez, man. Okay. Now, uh, I will get into the less fun part of the show. Trey Turner has signed with the Phillies. 11 years, $300 million. And then Xander just signed with the Padres yesterday for 11 years, $280 million. I have a lot to say about this. 
the most infuriating thing about free agency thus far has been the amount of people who are like wanting their team, specifically the Seattle Mariners, to sign free agents. Let's sign the guys. And then the guys get signed by other teams and we're like, oh man, we're so mad. Jerry, John Stanton, you guys got to sign someone. And then they look at the deal and they're like, oh, 11 years? Oh, 300 million? Oh, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of money. That's bad. That's an overpay. That's a bad contract. I wouldn't have signed him to that contract. You know, maybe the Mariners think that too. And that's why he's not on your fucking team right now, man. Get your head out of your ass. Everyone who's like, overpay. This is what free agency in sports is like, man. Like, Trey Turner to the Phillies and Xander to the Padres. They're both 30. I think Trey's 29, but turns 30, like, at the start of next season. They're, they're like, he's, like, six months younger than Xander. So they're virtually the same age. 11 years for a guy that old is definitely a lot of years. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to mince words. Like, obviously, they're not going to be very good in the latter half of their contract, like, the final couple years. But let's take it from a Phillies perspective. So Trey Turner signed first. The Phillies, I predicted this too, and it wasn't a groundbreaking prediction. He wanted to stay near to his where he's from, Florida. His family is there, I think. He wanted to do spring training in Florida. So obviously that crosses off half the league. Uh, the Phillies needed a shortstop. They're ready to spend. It's Dave Dombrowski. Uh, he is a free agent guy. He doesn't really develop players. He signs free agents to win, and it works for him. It's different than a lot of other uh, managers, presidents of baseball operations, whatever. But he wins. He wins because he he's not afraid to to use the money that the owner to allow him to use, right? And I think eleven years is a lot. I think the average value is right where Trey Turner was going to be, like almost thirty million. And I think the Phillies are probably like, listen, this is our guy. This is the guy we want. This is the main target this offseason. And they might have put some feelers out. They maybe they wanted to sign him like eight years, thirty million average value. But maybe uh, that just wasn't working. Maybe another team offered him nine years. Phillies were like, "Fuck it, eleven years, three hundred million, no trade clause, full guarantee." If that's what it's going to take to sign the guy we want, who's going to improve our team, that's what it's going to take. Sure, it's a lot of money. Sure, it's a lot of years. They will get the value of this contract back in the next five years, if he can be anything like he's been the last five years playing baseball and plays more baseball the same way the next five to six years, if he's worth 25 to 30 wins over the next six seasons, which is roughly what he's projected at, that is a worth contract. That is a worth contract. Xander. Let's talk about Xander. This one was crazy. 11 years, $200 million to the Padres, man, out of nowhere. Padres missed out on Judge. They want to judge. Uh, they missed out on Trey Turner. They want to Trey Turner. They're like, okay, Xander, step right up. Red Sox don't want you. We'll sign you. And they probably saw, oh, Trey Turner, similar age, went for 11 years. If that's what it's going to take to get the guy we want, that's what it's going to take. They probably didn't want to give him 11 years. But sometimes, you don't get everything you want in life. They're probably like, okay, we're ready to spend. The owner's like, yeah, spend. Spend whatever you can to win. You know? And the, and and Preller's like, okay. Trey Turner got 11 years. He's the same age. Xander, we'll give you the same thing. Just slightly less money. Because you're like a little bit older. A little bit older than Trey Turner. Slightly less money. And the Red Sox probably could have matched it. And... And he would have went back to the Red Sox, but they did not. And now Xander's on the Padres. And yeah, everyone's like, oh, overpay. Oh, it's a lot of years. My opinion, uh, 11 years is a lot of years to pay a 30-year-old. Again, if that is what it's going to take, that is what it's going to take. You can't sit there and say, we, like, as the Mariners, we wouldn't have offered him that much money he would have signed here, or that many years. Like, if the Mariners' number one guy was that, and they signed him 11 years, 280, I'd be through the roof excited. I don't give a shit about how long the contract is. This is how it works. This is how free agency in all sports works. The market dictates the price and the years for these guys. 
And the market dictated that for sure. The Padres saw what happened to the other shortstop, the big shortstop. They're like, okay, well, if that's what the market rate for a guy of similar build and play is going to go for, we'll do it because we want him really bad. We'll give you 11 years. And God, the Red Sox are in the mud, man. At least we're not the Red Sox. Like, we paid Julio already, you know? (laughs) They traded Mookie Betts and now let Xander walk for free. They didn't even trade him like Mookie. They let him walk for free. And they still, they might just trade Devers now. Screw it. Trade Devers. Red Sox just don't reward their guys. They're good, good players, especially. These are elite players. Xander and Mookie, they both let them leave. Imagine if they re-signed them, both, and Devers, how good they would be for years to come. Like, good God. (laughs) It's crazy, especially because Xander should not be a free agent right now. He should absolutely not be a free agent. They should have signed Xander last year. They should have signed him last year. Like, come on. They could have, like, I think the word on the street was the Red Sox were wanting to sign him to a five to six year deal. And honestly, I think everyone probably thought he would get max eight years from a deal this offseason, which is fair. Uh, and the Red Sox, he wanted to go back to the Red Sox. I am thinking if the Red Sox offered him, if he came back to the Red Sox and said, I just got offered 11 for 280 from the Padres, and the Red Sox were like, okay, we know you really want to stay here because he does. We know you really want to stay here. You've been a great player for us. We'll give you nine years for 250. And I guarantee you Xander would have signed with the Red Sox. And it should have never come down to this. They should have re-signed him this season. He wanted to stay there. Like, it's crazy. He's an elite shortstop. He wanted to stay there. And you just let him leave. (laughs) Crazy, man. Uh, and now that gets me into the portion of the show where I'm going to try not to yell. I've already, t- I've, I've touched on it a lot just cause I didn't, I didn't even mean to touch on this topic earlier, but just free agency and paying guys in general. What do, what do fans think free agency is? You see these deals happen and continually now every deal that comes out, like I just said with the Brandon Nemo, first thing I saw was overpay. No, it's not. He's a very good player. You pay him the money he's deserved. Especially, again, it's market-driven. This is what the guys are going for. Big money right now. Big money this offseason. That's what guys are going for. Sometimes, if you want to contend for a World Series, you got to spend a little bit more than you want to spend. That's how it works. That's how sports works. And I get the sentiment where it's like, well, I don't want the Mariners to, to spend $300 million Uh, for 10 years on a shortstop if that means they won't sign anyone else, right? And I get that, and I understand that sentiment Uh, because it just, it doesn't seem like, (laughs) if they they did give that massive deal, it seems like they wouldn't do anything else, right? Because they're doing nothing right now, not signing one of the big deals. So it's hard to believe they would open the checkbook like the Mets at all. But it's just, it, it, shouldn't be that way and you can't be okay with it. You can't be okay with being that way. Because billionaires can always sign more guys, man. Especially the Mariners. We're oh we're a mid market. No we're not. We're one of a we're one of the bigger markets in the league. We're not a huge market, but markets are a myth when your owner's a billionaire. Especially if you want to talk markets. Each team gets about 120 million in revenue sharing every year. The Mariners make a lot of money because they're one of the only teams, they're the only team in the Pacific Northwest in the country. They have support from Washington State, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, probably parts of of very western Canada. You know? Wyoming even probably. Like who knows? And they own a majority stake of Root Sports Northwest, their own TV network. Not very many teams own a majority stake of the TV network. That also broadcasts an NBA team, the Blazers. They get a lot of money from that. It's one of the more lucrative TV deals in MLB. And there's no excuse to where they can't spend money. They've had top 10 payrolls in the 2000s and earlier, uh, like a decade ago, like 2014, like the Cano and, and Cruz teams. They've had big payrolls and, oh, well, the team didn't fold. The team didn't go bankrupt. No, because the owner's a billionaire. And there's a lot of money to be had in the sport, especially the revenue soaring. 
guys who are like, man, that's an overpay. I'm glad the Mariners didn't do that. Y'all are, y'all are lame. That's the lamest way to look at free agency. Lamest way. Like, I, I get, again, I get the sentiment where you, if they have a certain amount of money, you don't want them to spend on one player. But they shouldn't have to have that mentality. And you shouldn't be okay with saying, I want my team to split the money up and spend it on a few guys rather than one. I want to spend it on one guy for a lot of money. Sign Xander to whatever it is. He's a great shortstop. And then go out and sign more guys. That's how it should be. You have to spend money to win. That's how it works. The only exception I can even think to that is the Royals in 2015. And that is like, you can't like be like, we're going to be the next Royals. That's not a successful business model. That's not a model to win by. And especially the spot the Mariners are in. It's just depressing when all year it's like, man, the culture, it's not like the culture's changed, but the fan support is higher than ever, higher than it has been in 20 years. The team is really good. With young talent, we acquired Luis Castillo at the deadline. We're doing the thing where Jerry Depoto trades some of the prospects he's been building up for for players now to contend. The window of contention is open. And the team expressed, they're like, yeah, the window of contention's open, man. You know, we've got a lot of stuff ahead of us. And then the offseason hits and they're like, yeah, well, we're not going to try to sign long-term deals. It's so frustrating. And just please, if you th- if you see the Trey Turner Xander deals, and the first thing you think of is, oh, that's too many years for a guy thirty years old. Don't think like that. Think of the next five or six years with that guy in your window of contention, because who knows what things look like in in however many years. Like especially because you're locking into a guy into a deal right now with what money's worth right now. $27 million a year in 2035, 2032, you know, in 10 years, 2032, $27 million a year will probably look drastically better, way better than what it looks like right now. Money will be worth less because of inflation. That's just how it works. Like, just overpay, overpay. That's all I see, all too many years, like... Man, y'all need to get out of it. Y'all need to stop listening to teams and owners and what they tell you. They're like, man, we're a mid-market team. We just can't compete with the big markets. We don't have the money. Yeah, you do. The money's there. There's no salary cap. And it's not like the mayors are close to hitting the luxury tax threshold. They're like $100 million away. Like, come on. Get out of your heads. To finish my rant, I want to bring up anyone who's bringing up the Cano deal in these arguments for not giving guys long-term big money deals. Are you kidding? Has everyone forgot how good Robinson Cano was for four straight seasons, five seasons? I haven't even looked at the numbers in that long, and I know he was probably worth 20 to 25 wins above replacement and put up numbers on a good Mariners team for us. And people are like, oh, we don't want to end up with a Cano situation when he's older and not as good and we're paying him a lot of money. One, we didn't even end up doing that. Yeah, we're still paying him a little bit, like $3 million. We ended up trading him for prospects, which at the time looked great. Now it doesn't look as great, but at the time, everyone's like, oh, that's a fantastic trade. Look, we got off his contract. We got prospects. That's how that works sometimes. But I don't want to hear it was a bad deal. Albert Pujols to the Angels is a bad deal because he wasn't a good player for them. Robinson Cano is a very good baseball player for four straight years for the Mariners. Well worth the deal we paid him. So fuck out of here with that. If you bring that up in an argument against me, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, you clearly don't know ball. That's just, that's loser mentality again, where you see Xander to the to the Padres, you see Trey Turner to the, to the Phillies, you see Judge to the Yankees, and you're like, oh, when they're 39 and getting paid $30 million a year, it's gonna, it's terrible. That's all. You don't want to pay a 39-year-old who's not very good that much money. Do you watch sports? That is how sports contracts work. You pay a lot of money for a guy to get a surplus of value in the first half of that deal so that it's better in the last half when it's a negative value. It generally balances out for most players who are really good. 
Guys outplay their value most of the time in the first few years of these deals. Xander and Trey Turner will be good players for the next five years probably. And if they're anything like they've been the last few years, those contracts are a rousing success. You pay guys right now to be good for your team right now. You don't worry about what they're going to be when they're 40 years old. Yeah, of course they're not going to be as good in eight years. And yeah, at the time you're like, oh wow, if you just in a vacuum were like, oh, 39 years old, we're paying him 30 million, what the hell? Look what he did for your team eight years ago. Like, that's how every sports contract works. By the end of contracts, guys are long contracts for great players. By the end of it, it's usually you're paying more than what they're worth. But generally, at the start of the contract, you're paying less than what they're worth. That's how it works. It's such loser, quitter, beta mentality to, to look at a free agent contract with long years and be like, man, and, and when he's 40, he's going to be a bad baseball player. So we shouldn't pay him now while he's really good. Just get out of here with that. God damn. All right, I'm done. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not focusing on that anymore. There will be a plenty more discourse like that in Mariners Twitter, and I will continue to reply to people and put them in their place because you can't think about that and think like that about free agents. That's just so backwards and just not how it works at all. Everyone take a deep breath. Everyone take a deep breath. It's a long offseason. There's a long way to go. We're all frustrated at the team, but it's a long offseason. We got to just stick it out. Now, briefly, I will go over a couple guys I've identified as guys I think the Mariners should go after, given the fact that I know they're not going to go after any of the big prospects. And if they get one of the bigger guys available right now, it's just like a luxury. Like, they're not going to, but if it happens, cool. Starting with Miguel Sano. He's a current free agent. I don't think it costs a whole lot of money to get him. He fills a hole on the team, particularly DH first base, backup first base, which we need desperately, backup third base. Um, the backup corner infield spot and DH is something we desperately need. He would fill all three of those. Wouldn't cost a whole lot of money. You could He's 30. You could probably give him a three to four year deal to seal the deal. Next on the list is Brandon Drury, also a 30-year-old. Another guy who fills the spot of backup third base, backup second base, backup corner outfield, and has had a great season last year. Uh, you give him a, a decent deal, he comes to the team, he would be a very good signing, very prudent, and fits a lot of holes on the team right now. Both of those guys, you can sign both. And they both would be very, very good You like backups, slash guys who would play in the DH backup corner infield, outfield spot. Another guy who also fits that is Will Myers. He's a little bit older. He's 32, probably looking for a couple-year deal, two to three. Another guy who can play outfield, first base. He's a fine hitter. He would, again, fill the spots, not be super expensive. All three of those guys, I'm sure the Mariners are looking at because if I'm identifying them as decent signings for holes they need on the team, they obviously are aware of that and probably want to sign uh, one of these guys. I want at least one of those guys on the team. It makes too much sense to not sign one of those guys. Realistically, two of those guys would be perfect. By the end of the offseason, if we get two of these guys, again, Michael Conforto, another one I'm just looking at right now, like fills that outfield spot and wouldn't be like super expensive, you know? If we end up with two of four of those men I just named by spring training, that's a success in my eyes, given the current state of the team. Now for more DH spots that we'll see what they do. Trey Mancini's available. I am pro bringing back Nelson Cruz on a one year deal. Cause you know, fuck it. What's, what do you have to lose one year? However much money, what do you have to lose? And he's beloved in Seattle. That'd be awesome. Um, Michael Brantley's available. He's still, I mean, he's 36, but he still looks like a very good hitter at the plate. He could also play DH. And then J.D. Martinez was in Seattle last night, which is interesting. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up because that Marcus Stroman one time was in Seattle in last season and didn't sign with us. So we'll see. I mean, that'd be a good sign. He's a good hitter. Again, would fill the DH spot. Very nice. And then just to wrap up, I don't. I didn't identify any starters because I'm still very confused at what they're trying to do. If they're trying to trade Flexen or Marco and then sign another guy or maybe 
like ideally they'd throw a lot of money at Kodai Senga and the rotation would be the best in the league, but they won't do that. Uh, but relief pitchers, I've talked about this before, lefty relief pitchers, Taylor Rogers and Andrew Chafin, both available, both two, like they'd probably be more expensive relievers, but again, you need at least one of those guys or a guy like that on the team right now. There's a huge hole in the bullpen for a guy who can get lefty hitters out. They don't have to throw with their left like Eric Swanson showed us, but he's not on the team anymore. Taylor Rogers and Andrew Chafin both fit the bill. I would love both of them on the team, but one of them would be perfectly fine. And if they signed like either Taylor Rogers or Andrew Chafin right now, I am set with the pitching staff. I'm fine with what we currently have at pitching. It's <laughs> it's the other side of things that we need to make a couple more signings or trades. And, you know, it's Jerry DePoto, so will he sign this many free agents? I don't know. I generally don't know. It's, as we know of him, he's a guy who likes to make trades. He's made like 160 since being the president of the Mariners. And it's not necessarily that a bad thing, you know? He's good at making trades. He's shown. Like, he's built a very good team. Mostly through developing talent, scouting good players, and trading for them. Like the the trades, like he's made 160 trades, I think, and like the majority of them, over 50 percent of those trades, I would consider success because it's led us to build this team along with the player development. But now is the time when you don't have as much as many assets to trade. There's still some, and I'm sure he'll make another trade or two before the next season. But now is the time when you open the checkbook to get like four or five guys out of free agency who fill holes on your team, and you don't get rid of anyone by doing that because the depth I see is an issue. I don't think they can get rid of any other guys who are close to MLB ready or in the MLB without getting a big return just for depth purposes. That's where you sign these more inexpensive free agents to fill the holes that your team needs on the roster with veterans who you know can at least play baseball. You don't want to always be betting on prospects, especially when you're trying to contend. It's fine to bet on a bunch of prospects when you're not a very good team, uh, but now is the time when you got to open the checkbook to sign a few, like... Like, I just named, like, what, 10 players? They signed half of those, of any of those names I said. That's a success of an offseason, given what we know now of what they're trying to do. So that's all. That's all for this episode. Everyone, take a deep breath and remind yourself that the success of a sports team doesn't have to mean, it doesn't have to affect your everyday emotional life. I am trying every day to go on Twitter and not get angry and not let it affect my personal life. And you should too. But that is all. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I did a little bit more prep for this episode, just trying to list all the free agents I've signed, thought about stuff I wanted to say a little bit more. Um, But thank you for listening this far. I know it's a little bit longer of an episode, but thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please recommend the podcast to anyone you know. Uh, rate and review on wherever you're listening. And most of all, have a good day and go Mariners.